0: This series presents information based in part on theory and conjecture. The facts that will be presented are true. Scientists representing the world's foremost research centers took part in the examination of the evidence. chris i'm chad
1: and together we're once again a pair of normal guys well
0: since i didn't die
1: all right and i'd like to point out that uh i have proven now that i don't need you
0: i know i just need to say some key phrases like a gps <laughs> turn world back around here and i could just there. Pick,
1: i could piece them all together to just, oh it's chad's here sure now, if I, ever, oh my. if I ever want to do enough to where I have you read a story, it might get a little interesting, though.
0: Yeah, just say random words. We can do those uh, personalized greetings where you call and you just, I just read, I do one greeting and we just put in a name. I think the Bigfoot
1: is very interesting.
0: Yes. And this is going out to Janet, who works at a place that manufactures couches or whatever.
1: We're all happy to have you back, Chad. Sure. Some more than others, but we're Yeah, happy.
0: well. I'm here. That's right, and that's all that matters. That's right, it is. Even if it's just moral support. Yeah, well, everybody's got to be somewhere. (laughs) I guess. I learned that from Cyclonus.
1: Everybody has to be somewhere? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Hey, I'm stuck up here. Well, everybody's got to be somewhere. I think that's what he said. How how
1: much of your normal day-to-day life revolves around things you learn from Transformers?
0: I don't know. Probably, I'd say 60%. is. It's got to get you through. You know, the guy that did the voice for him and a couple of Transformers was the guy that played uh, Mud on the old Star Trek. Remember Mud's women? Well, Kirk, we got these uh, miscellaneous girls. And they'd come out and the guy played, I forget his first name, but his last name was Mud. He was on like two episodes. But it's funny that I didn't know that until my adult life that he was a Transformer voice actor.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean... I think that's common knowledge. I don't know why you wouldn't have known oh, that. Oh, shut but... up.
0: You don't know. <laughs> Nobody else out there even cares. I'm just throwing it out there so they can understand that I don't really get out uh, much. well, then. Yeah. So.
1: <laughs> Is anything, anything new, Chad,
0: this week? Uh, no, getting over this, or trying to get over this, um, whatever infection that's trying to destroy my lungs.
1: Bronchio herpes?
0: Yeah, that dinosaur. Um Whatever was trying to kill my lungs, I've uh, watched Wolf Cop again. Syphilis. Yeah. Uh, you know, tried to watch a couple of, uh, yeah, I used to like her. She was on Moonlighting. Syphilis Danning or whatever. No, no, never mind. Somebody else. She was in Howling too. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. Sybil. Uh, yeah. So, uh, no, I've watched Wolf Cop and a couple of Bigfoot documentaries. And I think I've watched my Small Town Monsters documentaries a couple of times. Yeah. Yours. You made them? No, the oh. ones I own. I, I oh. bought it from like oh. Seth and them, you know, when we went to Mothman Oh, Festival.
1: from Seth himself.
0: Yeah, Seth Bre- Well, he sold them to us. I know, but yeah, I forget that you're on first name basis with all these people. No, I just figured you know who I'm Seth talking about. Everybody and else out there knows. Bobcat. Seth Breedlove and mm-hmm. Bobcat Goldthwait. I mean, I do rub elbows with Whoopi uh, and Famous and Rich and Scooter. You know. mm-hmm.
1: McGavin. Anyway.
0: Robin Leach. I still talk to him. Oh, do you now? Yeah.
1: Like, sure. Okay. So, any, uh-huh. that just getting over the, uh, the cred, huh?
0: Yeah, pretty much.
1: Well, hey, uh, two things I do want to mention before we get going. Uh, one, uh, my old high school, the Crawford County Wolfpack. Uh-huh. They won semi-state yesterday. And for the first time in school history, they're going to the state championship in uh, boys' varsity basketball next Saturday. I know you think sports are something created by the devil, Chad. Cause no, I'm just even watching people run makes you no, out of breath,
0: just because I don't have that capability. But <laughs> no, I was just I was just trying to think of the target audience. You were throwing that out there. No, but, nobody. I'm just
1: uh, pointing out. Hey, I'm kind of proud. My old high school is going to state well for the first time ever. Good, good job. And it, it's kind of actually, it's a lot like the movie Hugers because I think my graduating class was. One hundred and twenty something people. Did you
0: say Hoosiers? Hoosiers, isn't it Hoosiers?
1: Uh, it's Hoosiers, you Kentuckian. Oh, go back to Louisville and isn't, shut up. Isn't
0: that supposed to be spelled in H-U-E instead of H-O-O? I don't know.
1: It's uh, Crawford County is a very small school, and oh, it's kind of it's kind of cool that they're. It's the Wolfpack. The state. Yes, Crawford oh. County Wolfpack.
0: Congratulations, Wolfpack!
1: Give them a little shout out here on the show. All right. And the other thing is, uh, my brother actually uh, went back into Taekwondo and tested for his second-degree black belt and passed uh, the other day. Wow. So, he's a karate and paramedic.
0: Yeah, that's pretty good.
1: If if you're not in bad shape when he gets there, he can kick you and make you in bad shape mm-hmm. with his foot.
0: In your mouth. <laughs> CPR, you okay? Because oh. now you're not.
1: Right. Uh-huh. I was... Kind of proud of him for that, too, getting back into that and getting his second-degree black belt. That's good. That's uh, just the two things I wanted to mention.
0: Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm.
1: So, you have something else there you want to give a little talk, shout-out thingy to, Chad? Yeah,
0: yeah, actually I actually do. Uh, since we've been trying to figure out, with putting the studio together for all the practical stuff, there's the impact practical, but cool and decorative things. It has to look cool, too. It does, because we're going to film eventually. Um, I got an item from a gentleman by the name of Ian Carton, and he is a founding member of the Bluff Creek Film Site Project. Now, Ian sent me a print of uh, Bigfoot. It's the uh, from the Patterson footage. Um, I'll just he gives you this real nice letter, real nice introduction, tells you about the f- the uh, print. Uh, he states on here, Ian almost always has some sort of Bigfoot related items on eBay. If you do a search for his username, which is Traveler Nut. All together, any profit is completely reinvested in new products and actual field investigations, which I thought was really cool. I talked to Ian a little bit uh, on a couple messages back and forth. One of the main items that he sells, and this is how I discovered it, was he sells, uh, and he's going to try to keep these in stock too, it's a reprint of the famous Frame 352 from the Roger Patterson 1967 film taken on Bluff Creek in Northern California. He does carry multiple sizes and croppings, but there's been no editing or photoshopping the images, and they're nice. He says that he's seen original prints that Patterson uh, sold before his death in '72, and his are at least as good as the prints that he sold. Um, all his prints and posters are real wet, chemically developed photographs. They're not inkjet print Wait, now.
1: wait, they're they're really wet.
0: Yeah. Oh. No. No. Um, you know they use a uh, you know what they, do. they use chemicals <laughs> to process them. What are you trying to throw me off? I'm here just for? saying I. They're real wet chemically developed photographs, not in jet printouts. <laughs> and they all come with a basic information sheet about the film, including the exact GPS coordinates of the film site. Uh he says, as far as he knows, even Mr. Patterson never offered a print larger than eight by ten, and no one has ever sold a true photograph nearly as large as twenty by thirty or offered the full sixteen millimeter film frame in any size. So he actually has the film frame with the little, you know, guide holes on the sides that you can get a whole print of that too. Did he
1: like punch out Peterson and steal it from him? No, no. Oh. um wow.
0: yeah He doesn't have a website, but you can contact him by email or telephone. And uh, he does have an address here, or a P.O. Box of 563 Dublin, Virginia, 24084. His email address is icarton762 at gmail.com. So if you would like to get a nice print of uh, Patty... Patterson Gimlin, that famous shot where she's turned around looking at you. Uh, I'd say he's the guy to go to. They're the best ones I've seen so far.
1: Patty Hearst? No. You know she heard the burst yes, I of did. Roland's Thompson gun.
0: Did she really? And bought it. Oh my.
1: Yeah, and Chad uh, actually showed me that print that he got and it's it's really spiffy looking. Pretty like nice. It.
0: Maybe we'll yeah. grab a shot of it and just throw it up on the website so you can kind of yeah. see the quality.
1: That is very doable. Mm-hmm. And you know what, Chad? Yeah. I think this week... Uh huh. Is the triumphant return? Uh oh, of the Paro news stories. Sure. See, you, you could have just put all those in, and I wouldn't even have been here for anything. Do any of that. you feel up to uh, making your way to the Paro news desk?
0: Uh yeah. I've got a nebulizer and some albuterol that I've been taking. Oh, then you're so good. It should be fine. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You're on steroids and stuff. You're fine.
0: Yeah, I am. I almost punched somebody out at the store the other day accidentally. And, I, I thought and I'm a you dollar. were looking
1: a little bit more. More buff there. Yeah,
0: I am. Getting a lot of knee. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> Growing
1: extra hair. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Sad sad side effects. <laughs>
0: yes, it is.
1: So, yeah, the triumphant return of the Paro news stories. And why don't you kick us off with one there, Chad?
0: Okay. Well, you know, uh, I always like to talk about Bigfoot and mysterious ape-like creatures and everything. But why don't we go down under for a second and look at their mysterious ape Monster things. How about that? The Yowie. Well, this is Makui's Mysterious Australian Apes. It's brought to us from Mysterious Universe.
1: Isn't that one of the circus shows you could see in Australia?
0: I thought that was McCoey's Mysterious Apes. I thought they were some sort of like snack sandwich, like a moon pie at first. Moon pies are good. Yeah. They just called them apes because of I don't know why. Okay. Had coconut on them or something. Beats me. Fair enough. Anyway, while most people (laughs) have heard of the Bigfoot of the United States and the abominable snowman of the Himalayas. Somewhat less known is the Australian equivalent, the Yowie. It's a tall, hair-covered humanoid that appears to be some form of giant ape. It was in the pages of the December 9, 1882 issue of the Australian Town and Country Journal that the story of the Yowie was first told. It's a story that came from an amateur naturalist, Henry James McHooey. Now, here's what Mr. McHooey said. He said a few days ago, I saw one of these strange animals in an unfrequented locality on the coast between Bateman's Bay and Oladilla. Is that how you say that? Sure. Okay, Oladilla. I'll just say that. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Australia. To me, that looks like Oladilla. My attention was attracted to it by the cries of a number of small birds. They were like, hey, over here, over here. So I looked that way, and uh, they were pursuing and darting at it, which is very uncharacteristic of how they treat Bigfoot here. When I first beheld the animal, it was standing on its hind legs, partly upright, looking up the birds above in the bushes, blinking its eyes, and distorting its visage and making a low chattering kind of noise. Being above the animal on a slight elevation and distant from it less than a chain, I had ample opportunity of noting its size and general appearance. Mm-hmm. So, Mr. McCooey gave a detailed description of the beast. He claimed to have seen. He claimed to have seen. He said I should think that if it were standing perfectly upright. It would be nearly five feet tall, so not as tall as Bigfoot. Right. It was tailless and covered with very long black hair, which was of a dirty red or snuff color. Snuff color? Mm-hmm. What's snuff color? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> what is that? Kind of a brown, just brown I, color? I, I don't know. I don't do a lot That's of snuff. That's what I'm asking. Um, I have to look up snuff colors now. I'll probably just get <laughs> snuff film. Um, oh. Snuff color about the throat and breast. His eyes, which are small and restless... He needs more sleep. Were partially hidden by matted hair that covered its head. The length of the forelegs and arms seemed to be strikingly out of proportion with the rest of its body, but in all other respects, its build seemed to be fairly proportional. It would probably weigh about eight stone, which apparently that translates to 112 pounds. So he's short but slim. <laughs> uh He added that the strange creature, on the whole, it was most uncouth and repulsive-looking creature. So you know, wasn't dressed in a suit or anything evidently possessed of prodigious strength and one which I should not care to come close in close quarters with. Having sufficiently satisfied my curiosity, he threw a stone at the animal, whereupon it immediately rushed nice. off, <laughs> followed by the birds, and it disappeared in a ravine which was close at hand. So you throw a rock at it, it yeah, runs away. I mean,
1: that's what I would have done.
0: You'd think they'd be easier to track birds swamping around them all the time, like a garbage barge. As the debate concerning Makui's report grew... He submitted more and more communication to the Australian Town and Country Journal, all of which are well worth quoting. The mere fact of no apes are found in Sydney Museum does not justify us in rushing to the conclusion that there are none in the colony, for it is extremely improbable that any ape will be full enough to present itself at the museum to undergo the somewhat delicate operation of stuffing, and beyond the fact that there are none to be found in Sydney Museum, there is not one scintilla of evidence to prove that they are not to be found in the colony, while there is an abundance of evidence to show that they are. McCuey went on to reveal that he knew of other sightings of the creatures. I do not claim to be the first to have seen this animal, for I can put my finger on half a dozen men at Batesman's Bay who have seen the same, or at any rate an animal of a similar description, but I think I am the first to come forward in the columns of a newspaper and give publicly to the fact of having seen it. I may mention that a search party was organized by Batesman's Bay some months ago, to surround the locality and the supposed ape, and if they wanted to shoot or capture it. But the idea was abandoned in consequence of the likelihood of gun accidents. Well. Well,
1: gun accidents. Yeah.
0: And I may further state that skeleton of an ape, four foot in length, may be seen at any time in a cave 14 miles from the Batemans Bay in the direction of Oladulla. Or Oladola, however you say that. He also (laughs) stated there are indigenous (laughs) apes in the colony and they have been frequently seen in... Budawang Mountains in Jingera Mountains and the say, Abercrombie and Fitch Mountains. What do you say about Budawang? Yeah, it says Buddha Wong or Buddha Wong At Bateman's Bay and Mount McDonald and on the Guy Fox Road between Guy uh, Fox Armadale and Grafton. Apes are known to the Ara- <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Apes
0: are known to the aborigines of the colony and were dreaded by them long before a museum was founded in Australia, or a white man crossed the Murray and that one was actually captured and killed near Braidwood within the memory of persons still living. Uh, An Australian Bigfoot, don't bet against it. So... how?
1: Oh, oh, is it over? Yeah, that's it. Thank God. What? Nothing. What's
0: wrong? And I was hanging on every word. No, you weren't. Anyway, we're familiar with the Yowie, but that gives you a little backstory <laughs> of when it was actually documented that the Yowie... We are familiar with
1: so Yeah, I mean, we went out last week while you were sick for drinks.
0: Uh-huh. You and the Yowie, Dan? Yeah. Right. We had Fosters. Uh-huh. It's the least used search engine on the internet anymore. Did you know that? Yowie. Now it's all Google. Nobody uses Yowie anymore. Yowie. Mm-hmm. So anyway. So there you the go. The Yowie. The Yowie. <laughs> At Yowie.com. I hear he has a wonderful blog. Really? Yeah. Uh, I mean, only if he eats a lot of fiber.
1: Now, we've got all that nonsense out of the way. We can talk about something interesting here.
0: Damn glowing frog.
1: No, it's not about a glowing frog, Chad. Oh, okay. It's about the hugest monster in the sea.
0: Wait a minute. What's that? What? The hugest monster in the sea.
1: Anyway, Chad, yes. The hugest monster. It's huge. Huge. In the sea. Uh-huh. A creature that features heavily in Scandinavian folklore and mythology, the Kraken. Uh-oh. Is a beast of the mysterious deep. It is a definitive sea monster albeit not a sea serpent, of the long-necked and hump-backed variety. In many respects, the kraken sounds like a strange combination of giant octopus and gargantuan squid. Certainly, both animals have the ability ability to grow to significantly large proportions, with the colossal squid reaching overall lengths, including tentacles, of up to 46 feet. The kraken, however, is said to grow much, much bigger. And to the point where, in centuries long gone, it supposedly dragged ships under the waves, drowning their crews in the process. The story of Orvar Otter Ar- What? <laughs> I don't know, it's in Norwegian or something. R R R A renowned Scandinavian hero of old, whose adventures were chronicled in the twelve hundreds, contains a description of a beast called the Hafgufa. <laughs> Well, was he ever serious? He's only
0: half-goofa. Well, well, I thought maybe he was serious.
1: But which scholars of Scandinavian folklore and history believe, with hindsight, may well have been a Kraken.
0: Did I tell you some guy tried to sell me that at work one day and I'm on the street? Tried
1: to sell you some Kraken?
0: Yeah, yeah, he did.
1: Huh. This is not so much a news story as it is a just a... History lesson? History lesson of the Kraken. Huh. The story states... Now, I will tell you that there are two sea monsters. One is called the half-goofa, sea mist. Gosh. Another, Lingbacher, heatherback. <laughs> it, the largest whale in the world, but the half-goofa is the hugest monster in the sea. It is the nature of this creature to swallow men and ships and even whales and everything else within its reach.
0: You know what, Yeah. If you meet the half-goofa... And you ask him not to eat you? Uh-huh. You know what he says? Why? Oh, nope, 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 not gonna do it. No, nope, 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 no.
1: It stays submerged for days then rears its head and nostrils above the surface and stays that way at least until the change of tide. Now, that sound we just sailed through was the space between its jaws and its nostrils and lower jaw were those rocks that appeared in the sea. While the Ling Biker was the island we saw sinking down. However, Agmund Tusuk has sent these creatures to you by means of his magic to cause the death of you and all your men. He thought more men would have gone the same way as those that had already drowned, i.e. to the Lingbaker, which was an island and sank, and he expected that the half-goofa would have swallowed us all. Today I sailed through its mouth because I knew that it had recently surfaced. Um. So there you go, wow. Chad There's a little uh... I
0: feel like I just feel like I took a bunch of cough medicine And I was <laughs> dozing off While I was watching some Nordic uh, Viking movie And it, then a commercial came on With Oprah Winfrey About how she lost 40 pounds on Weight Watchers If you're If any of the
1: Pongite Nation Is interested in hearing more of the story Of the Ling Baker And Half Goofa And Kraken And other various Scandinavian uh, Shenanigans
0: Uh-huh Look at the show notes for this episode, and the link to that, the rest of the story will be right there. Yes. I think they have a display this, this summer that they're going to put up. About the half-goofa, the, and half-goof-a, the lean baker, the, lean baker and and the kraken, the lean and cuisine, odd and
1: odor, and you know, baker Browns. So there you
0: go, kraken. Well, sound like you were on kraken. Anyway.
1: Yeah, one of these days we're going to learn to like read these read things stuff before we read them on Instead the of show. Instead just thinking that sounds interesting. Yeah, hey, kraken, Cool. Cracking Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Killed him. Which uh brings up a very interesting subject, Chad. Yeah, what's that? Uh a few shows back we did the uh ley lines and other mysterious imaginary another riveting of <laughs> lines <Yeah. laughs> on the earth episode and we said that we may follow that up with a a follow up show.
0: Yeah. Those lines lead somewhere, don't they? They do. Mm-hmm. To this show.
1: Yeah because uh this show we're actually going to do sacred places. Oh, yeah. And while not all the ones we talk about on the show may or may not, you know, they might be on ley lines, probably are. But the ones I found I didn't necessarily go by if they were on a ley line, but everything sacred is on a ley line.
0: And they line up with each other, right? They do.
1: I mean, one point to one point's a straight line and somewhere there's a ley line.
0: Yep. It's a crossword puzzle of mystical places.
1: But anyway, that brings me to the point of This show is going to be chock full of mispronounced words.
0: Cool. Just like uh, the good old Kraken story. Yeah, well, need to make sure that you keep all these for future clips. So, (laughs) that's right.
1: So coming up after the break, some uh, mispronounced sacred places. Yes, magical. Welcome back.
0: Hello, my friends. <laughs> Your friends. Uh huh. All my friends out there. That's
1: right. The Pongite Nation. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, there are some Pongites, self admitted Pongites. R- uh, there, people admit that? Uh huh. Wow. Yep. I'm impressed. I am. I'm always impressed. <laughs> it doesn't take a lot to impress me much anymore. Well, I mean, that's true. I mean, yeah, you're right. I don't even know why I'm here. You can do these shows solo. I'm just... Oh, I feel like I'm just filler. Now, Chad. I feel like I'm just taking up a
1: spot. Uh, is that what it was? I I noticed in that text I sent you when the show went live, if you'd listened uh-huh. to it, uh, I think, what was it? Nazi Bastard
0: was what you, put oh. what you called me in there. Yeah, I think so. Well, you know, because of your German heritage and you're uh yeah. you're manipulating the well, that's one
1: thing I didn't miss in that little short St Patrick's Day I episode know. was I got to talk about being
0: Irish and stuff without being told oh you're German hey, after you told me that you had the report where they did your gene sequencing to find out you were part rhino and part Nazi and just a little bit of a you know an Irish person that's right that's right, yeah, all the rhino was in there
1: mainly rhino and and yeah. Nazi German. I think you're like Not Z- just G- German, it's Nazi German. Yeah,
0: it's Nazi German. That's why you're always on about those scientists and their strange experiments. Anyway. Mhm.
1: Sacred places, Chad. Yes. <laughs> so uh yeah, like I said, uh these are places that may not necessarily be on any kind of ley lines or mystical sacred fairy
0: lines or whatever. <laughs> you know what? What? I'm appalled at your ignorance. <laughs> are you? All these sites are sacred because they lie because they
1: are on, ley lines. on
0: magical, powerful, all-inducing <laughs> ley lines. My bad. And that's why they exist.
1: Oh, mm-hmm. well, well there you go. So, uh, we're, Chad and I are going to talk about some sacred places that are, in fact, on ley lines in one way or another.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so, why don't you kick us off with the... First one there, Chad.
0: Well, earlier I went to Australia, and why not just stay there for a little bit and let's talk about yeah, Ayers Rock? Stay there. Or the Uluru. I'm thinking I'm saying that right. So we're going down to Ayers Rock. Down to Ayers Rock. All right. The Aboriginal inhabitants of Australia, the Anangu, sounds like a bad guy's name from a Bond movie, believe the Central Australian landscape was created at the beginning of time by ancestral beings. According to the Aboriginal myth, the world was unformed and featureless until ancestral beings emerged from the void and journeyed across the land creating all living species and the features of the desert landscape. The Uluru is regarded as spectacular physical evidence of the ancestors activities during the creation period. Now, the record of dreamtime can be found in the rock itself, its fissures, cliffs and caves. Wasn't that a uh, Dwayne cheap, Johnson cheap
1: no cheap trick?
0: Oh, it could be Dreamtime. Dreamtime. No.
1: Oh, probably, talking about
0: Fisher's cliffs. and Dream Police. Oh, yeah, it's different. Oh, they were the ones that made sure that Dreamtime went, you know, smooth. They come to me in my head. Sting showed up. The main path up to the summit of the rock is a traditional Sting? route taken by <laughs> Aboriginal ancestors upon their arrival uh, at the at the Aluru in the creation time. <laughs> Various outcrops represent different ancestral spirits and by touching the rock, an Aborigine can invoke the spirits for blessings and communicate with Dreamtime. Which, oh, never mind, that was uh, something else. Wait, it was a Dawkins song, wasn't it? That's a Dream Warriors. Oh. I was thinking there was something that sounded like that that Sega tried to put out, didn't make it. Dream, the Dreamcast. Time. Dreamcast. <laughs> yeah, it was a Dreamcast. <laughs> According to one Aboriginal myth, two Sega. tribes of Sega, ancestral spirits were invited to a feast in the area. Nummy, nummy. But they became distracted by a beautiful but sleepy lizard woman
1: what? Oh, and no. dollied
0: at the waterhole. Ah, oh, that sounds like an innuendo. Angry at being stood up, <laughs> the waiting host sang evil into a mud sculpture that came to life as the dango. And then it stole a baby. A wild dog that has been known to carry off, guess what? Babies. What? Yep. There was a terrible slaughter followed by a great battle which ended in the deaths of the leaders of both tribes. The earth itself rose up in grief at the bloodshed, and this is Uluru. Uluru remains sacred to several aboriginal tribes in the area who still use it for rituals and leave paintings in its caves. You know, sometimes they look like um, a Putin painting. The meaning of the rock's features are passed on to youth in songs and initiation ceremonies conducted in the caves along the base of Uluru. The rock is also, and I'm probably saying that wrong the whole time, the rock is also sacred to New Age practitioners, some of whom have adopted dream time into their beliefs. So. Fair enough. There you go. If you like to dabble in some of the aboriginal ancient beliefs, or if you're just a modern new age person who decides that you want to go to Australia and hit it hard where the beginnings of all things happen, then head right there and see what's happening.
1: You know what I'm taking away from that whole story? What's that? I mean, nothing about Ayers Rock. I mean, pfft. Whatever, I'm taking away that dingoes came from a mud sculpture that was saying evil to by a sleepy lizard woman. Yeah, and
0: I then mean, they take your baby. Holy crap! Yeah, then you, <laughs> God, you know half of what we were reading right. Are you takes appalled place, by my ignorance? I am. You know half of what of what we just read there takes place in most other fictional stories. Sleepy cinema. lizard women. Yeah, sleepy lizard women. Look at Flash Gordon. They were in there. Yeah, the lizard people in the cage. Were, they, were, were they in uh, City Slickers 2? Uh Everything was in the City The Legend 2. of Curly's Gold? Everything was in that. Because anything that's a sequel has to either have The Legend of Curly's Gold or, or Electric, Boogaloo. Electric Boogaloo attached to it. We all know that. But yeah, I mean, dingoes, your babies, Magic Sleepy,
1: Rocks. Sleepy Lizard Women. Mm-hmm. I think Jim Morrison wrote a song about her.
0: Probably. Anyway. Mm -hmm. I know that a lot of truck stops have a lot of those hanging around.
1: Sleepy lizard women. Sleepy
0: lizard, lot lizard women. (laughs) I think Letus is, no, never mind. Hi, Letus. Yeah. Hi, Letus. (laughs) You doing all right out there, buddy? I hope you are. If he listens. (laughs) Ah, He never listens.
1: Well, hey, Chad. Yes, sir. I'm going to tell you a little story about the Bighorn Medicine Wheel.
0: Holy crap.
1: Bighorn Medicine Wheel is a sacred ancient site located on top of the Bighorn Range in Wyoming. Mm Mm-hmm. Oosa. Oosa. Oh, wait. USA. Yeah. Although the Bighorn Medicine Wheel was constructed by Plain Indians. <laughs> Not the fancy ones? The Plain Indian. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a, a bunch of Plain Indians
0: mm-hmm.
1: built the Bighorn Medicine Wheel only three to eight hundred years ago. The wheel is part of a much larger complex of interrelated archaeological sites that represent 7,000 years of Native American adaptation to and use of the alpine landscape that surrounds medicine mountain Mm
0: -hmm. that's a contender with uh, walgreens i think medicine mountain Mm -hmm. (laughs) they take tricare come get your prescriptions fed it's all at medicine Medicine Mountain. mountain
1: the bighorn medicine wheel has always been of great astronomical significance due to its alignments with the stars Mm-hmm. that's where they all get their drugs. Clooney. It's the med- the drugstore to the stars. Mm, well. It has also been used by Native American Indians for sacred rituals. How and why the Bighorn Medicine Wheel was constructed is not entirely clear. According to one creation story, the wheel shares a special bond with a boy named Burnt Face.
0: Freddy Krueger.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. When the boy was only a baby, he fell into a fire and was severely scarred. When the boy was 10 years old, he went on a vision quest in the mountains where one of the shamanistic spirits gave him his
0: clawed knife-like glove. You know why he had, oh, he has a clawed knife-like glove. He has a burnt face. You know why they sent him to the mountains and he stayed for a while? Because they insisted. I actually made that last part up about his glove, Chad. Oh. I'm sorry. That's okay. I was excited about it. I know you were. (laughs) I was. You drew me in, buddy. Hope uh, the audience went on that trip, too.
1: Burnt face uh, stayed there for some time and fastened, which I'm hoping that the story meant fasted. Fasted, The creation story tells that during his vision quest, he helped to chase away an animal that attacked eaglets. Delicious. An an adult eagle returned the favor by carrying the boy away. (laughs) As a miracle, the boy's face was smooth again.
0: Well, the eagle ate the outer layer.
1: Well, doesn't, uh, doesn't, Bird feces contain a little bit of acid, so maybe he used the eagle poop as a little bit of a facial scrub, and he got rid of the scar. Oh, I thought
0: you were just going to say he put a little bit on his tongue, and that's why he had a good time. The acid. Of yeah, the <laughs>
1: eagle a poop acid. His face isn't really smooth. He just thought it was. He just now.
0: seemed to believe it was. My face is so smooth.
1: Native American Indians have used the bighorn medicine wheel for fasting and vision quests for centuries. The place was also used for prayers and healing. Mm
0: -hmm. In the
1: 1970s, archaeoastronomer John Eddy noticed that some of the wheel's spokes pinpoint the direction of the sunrise on different solstices, and other spokes mark the rising point of other stars, suggesting the site may have once been an an observatory. At the center of the Bighorn Medicine Wheel is a donut. Shaped. Oh. (laughs) Shaped pile of (laughs) stones. My bad. A cairn connected to the rim by 28 spoke-like lines of stones. Six more stone cairns are arranged around the wheel. Most of them are large enough to hold a sitting human. That sounds practical. Well, sacrifices or something. Mm -hmm. Examination of the ancient wheel revealed that if a person sits at one cairn looking towards another, then he or she will be pointed to certain places on the distant horizon. Well... I mean if you got a point. Amazing. <laughs> These points indicate where the sun rises or sets on summer solstice and where certain important stars rise heliically. That is, first rise at dawn after being behind the sun. The dawn stars helped foretell when the sun's ceremonial days would be coming. The area is free of snow for only two months around the summer solstice. John Eddy became intrigued with this very special place and discovered Wheel's arrangement point to the rising and setting places of the sun at summer solstice as well as the rising places of Aldaran. Oh,
0: wait. (laughs) I don't think that's right Rising
1: places of Aldebaran in Taurus, Rigel in Orion, and Sirius in Canis Major. These are bright, important stars associated with the solstice. Built over a period of centuries by ancient North Americans in alignment with the stars, this is considered the most important medicine wheel in the American West. Hmm. And there you go. The wow. bighorn medicine wheel.
0: That's pretty big. I yeah. Well Yes, Chad. I think I'm gonna talk about Crater Lake. There was a movie about the Crater Lake monster that was uh, you know had Crater Lake in it. I like w- that one. Was there? <laughs> yeah, Crater Lake in Cascade Mountains in Oregon, Oregon. Or, if you're not from around there, it's Oregon, Oregon. Okay, home of Sasquatchy folded paper art. Oh, it's Oregon, Oregoni, Oregon. Yeah, at 1,943 feet, more things than its depth have made Crater Lake a mystery. Uh, it's a hotbed for strange disappearances, ghostly encounters, and legendary beasts. Why, Bigfoot himself is known to show up here from time to time. Rangers once reported following a large, dark, putrid-smelling creature (laughs) through the woods until it started throwing pine cones at them. Never known lead us to visit, Oregon. The area is also home to at least two claimed slayings of the Sasquatch. One was by a car. The body was (laughs) reportedly whisked away by the government. And one was by a train. And there wasn't much left. The train conductors didn't report slamming into something that looked like the legendary beast for fear. They'd be accused of drinking on the job. So
1: You know, if I was a train conductor, thought I mm -hmm. hit a Sasquatch, I I wouldn't tell anybody either because I would take the freaking body that was smeared on the front of the train and I would retire and be rich then.
0: Really? I figured the way it hit it would just be like a coat. (laughs) You could just take that off, put your arms through, and there you go. You've got Sasquatch coat. Fur's murder. Well, I mean, they did kind of kill him with a train.
1: So it's okay if he's already dead? Yeah, I mean, it's like roadkill kind of thing. So it would be okay if I made a roadkill possum skin coat?
0: Remember the guy that made the the cat drone? Took the texture of the cat and stuck it on a drone, and then he flies that dead cat around? Yeah. I mean, he seemed to justify that. Nobody burned his house down. I'm going to do that with tarantulas. Make little drones out of tarantulas so people think there's flying spiders. I mean, probably scare some people. Anyway. Anyway, UFOs are no stranger to the area either. In February of 1997, a jet pilot reported military aircraft pursuing UFOs above the lake. That night, a loud sonic boom was heard all across western Oregon. Strange lights make periodic appearances in the area. Everyone's heard of Bigfoot and UFOs, but even more rare and sinister entities are fabled to haunt the wilds of Mazama and its crown jewel, Crater Lake. Mazama. uh-huh. The Klamath Indians say that... To gaze upon the splendid blues is to invite death and lasting sorrow. The Modoc tribe, who lived on its borders for millennia, knew the mountain since before eruptions rendered its tall peaks to a dusty bowl. They retain a strict taboo against the place. It's evil, they say, the home of dark spirits. People disappear there. The Kalamath Indians hold the lake sacred, believing it to be crossroads of the spirit of above. Skell. Is what they call it a spirit of peace and goodness and the spirit of below i'm gonna i believe this is lao or lao go for it <laughs> yeah a spirit of fire darkness and terror the kalamoth believe that a battle between these two created the lake when after defeating the even lao skull collapsed the mountain on its on his portal to the world and covered it with a clear water is a sign of everlasting peace I'm surprised there isn't a brand of water with that name on it. Skull. So, yeah. Be like, here, you want a bottle of Skell? Skull cast Lao's limbs into the lake and tricked the water animals, which were faithful to Lao, into devouring them. So they ate his feet and stuff. Huh. But when the animals reached Lao's head, they recognized it as their master and would not touch it. Wow. Oh, hey. Remember when oh, they blew up Unicron? There's the re- Sorry we ate the rest of your body. We didn't realize it was you. Yep. And today it can still be seen as a lone, steep cinder cone rising from the lake's waters. It's known as Wizard Island. (gasps) Harry Potter. Well, Mr. Potter. And Lao's spirit is still said to make its home there. In other words, the calamitous version of the devil lives in Crater Lake. Expecto Patronum! Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. I had to take some medicine for that. I got excited. My bad. Crater Lake is also known for the old man of the lake. It's a large stump of a tree that has been bobbing vertically in the lake for more than a century. Me and you are renting a boat,
1: and we're going to Crater Lake, and we're getting that stupid stump out of that lake. What are you going to do with it? Nah, bring it
0: to Pong That'd Studios. That'd make a good table, because if it's lasted that long, it's got to be pretty durable. And just slice
1: it up and sand it real good. Uh-huh. That'll be our new podcast table.
0: Uh-huh. Maybe Bobby Wood, the podcast table. Bobby Wood. Bobby Wood.
1: You know, I'm just curious. Um, you said uh, the Modoc tribe uh, had something to do with the lake there. Yeah. Yeah. You think they worship a weird-looking little round guy that floats in a chair?
0: I I mean, I know exactly what you're talking about. We might be reaching for some of our audience there. <laughs> I mean, unless they introduce him in Guardians of the Galaxy. The thing. true nerds would yeah, know, know what I'm speaking oh, of. Oh, <laughs> the obese and abled man with a disability in a chair who's real smart and has guns and lasers and stuff.
1: Modoc.
0: Mm-hmm. Just saying. Okay.
1: That whole story seems like a... Uh, Japanese, I think it might have a little anime. Movie.
0: Might be like uh, Akira, something. Might I, be some Akira you've stuff got going on. Two
1: spirits fighting and
0: body parts, body parts around.
1: floating. that get, they start. I mean, if they wouldn't have started at his uh, feet, none of this would have happened. If they yeah. started at his head. They'd been like, "Oh, hey, Skell or yeah. Lao, whichever one you are." Mm-hmm. True,
0: Wizard Island. I like Wizard Island. Avada Kedavra! <laughs> Ebracadaver.
1: Anyway, Chad, moving yeah. from Crater Lake on over to uh, Oahu, land of magnum. Mm-hmm. We have Kanayana Cave. Kanayana. For over 150,000 years, the island of Hawaii has harbored a secret, Chad. A
0: secret. Yes. What is it?
1: Near Makua on Oahu. The volcanic rock was eroded by the sea to form a cave out of a giant lava tube. This is where the local people believe mankind was born, emerging from the womb of the Earth Goddess. They called the cave Kaneana, after the god of creation, Kane. Not Kanye. Legend has it that the shark may... Oh,
0: wow. Nananui.
1: Nana Nananui. Nana Nananui. Na-na-nui. Legend has it that the shark man Nana Ue, also mm-hmm. called Kanayana and Makua Charlie.
0: Oh, well. Went, now, I remember waiting a on minute. two and a half men.
1: Charlie's not Hawaiian. Later, reigned from this cave. Like all fine myths, the story of the Hawaiian shark man includes drama, camaraderie, and a respectable amount of bloody murder.
0: Pshaw. It does. Sounds like Angela Lansbury's on top of this. Ooh. Murder,
1: she wrote. Born from a shark father, the shapeshifter. Go for it, Kamohoa Li'i, and a human mother, Beyonce. Maybe. It was only when Nanaue first experienced the taste of meat that his carnivorous heritage led to uncontrollable bloodlust. He would assume human form to trick his prey, (laughs) then drag, then drag them back to the cave for dinner. Fortunately, he was eventually chopped up by the Hawaiian people. The cave was also home to both a powerful shark goddess and Madame Pele. Mm. She was really good at soccer. Honoring this colorful history, the cave has been the site of magic, ritual, and religious ceremonies. The area around the cave has been considered sacred and kapu, which is the Hawaiian word for taboo, by local communities in recent times. Hmm. So, Nanaue, Kanayana, Makua, Oahu, and Kamahoa'ola'i'i.
0: Kamanagi. There you go. Shark Man. Huh. And Hawaii. I think he was in the Suicide Squad story before they changed it to um, Gator Guy. Yeah. what Man, Lizard. No, what is his name? Gator
1: Guy. No. Man,
0: shark thing. No,
1: hang on. What is his name?
0: You know what? It's stupid that I don't even know what that is because he was in Batman the Animated Series all the time. There's dead Killer
1: Croc. Sh- Killer Croc. Yeah. Like there's why well, they changed it
0: to the him. I don't know. There's Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. Killer Croc. There's Will Smith. Uh-huh.
1: There's some other people that nobody knows. Killer Croc There's Killer Croc.
0: Mm-hmm. Killer Croc. You know, I'm surprised they don't sell legalized marijuana it's called Killer Croc pot.
1: Or, the, uh, the Taffel people. Need to license that and make a Suicide Squad themed crockpot. It looks like that Croc's is... head, and you just
0: put meat in it. And killer little cook pot. all day. Yeah, exactly, a killer crockpot meals by Betty Crocker. There you go, pot. Killer Betty Crocker. I don't know. Oh my! What's oh coming my. up now? Well, next <laughs> is we're going to talk about Lake Booby Poopoo. What? I'm sorry. Wait, what? Lake Booby Poo. No, it's Lake Titty Caca. <laughs> Where is that? It's in the Copacabana in Bolivia. Copa Copacabana. Copa Copa. You know We're it's the hottest Kitty spot no. Here. No, no, it's no, it's the what? hottest
1: spot north of Havana.
0: Is it? Yeah. What's oh, what?
1: That's what uh what's is it his name says? Because
0: of where it's at on the, you know, close to the equator or something. I don't well, know.
1: Well, north of Havana would be farther away from the equator. Well, farther away.
0: From, well, why is it so hot then?
1: Cuz Barry Manilow says so. Oh. Cuz her name was Lola.
0: Was she What was she? She was a that's so, a, was she a dancer? That's all the song I know. Oh, okay. His
1: name was Rico.
0: Suave. He liked to make copies. <laughs> okay, so his
1: rival was named Sabin.
0: Lake Ruby, I mean Lake Titicaca. Yeah,
1: we okay anyway.
0: <laughs> it's a beautiful and much ven, never mind. Yes, venerated. It's a beautiful and much venerated sacred lake that lies on the border between Peru and Bolivia, near Copacabana. According to Incan mythology, it was from Lake Titicaca that the creator god Viracocha, <laughs> Veins rose up to create the sun, moon, and stars in the first magical box of Lucky Charms. In the first human beings, recently a large temple was discovered submerged in the lake, adding to its mystery and fascination. In 2000, an international archaeological expedition discovered an ancient temple submerged in the depths of Lake Titicaca. The huge structure is nearly twice the size of a soccer field. That's 660 feet long and was found by following a submerged road that begins near Copacabana. The temple is estimated to be between 1,000 and 1,500 years old. The Bolivian government has pledged to provide funds for further study of the ruins and the eventual plan is to bring the temple to the surface. However, locals are fearful about the effects that such disrespect of the sacred sacred lake might bring. Hmm. According to Incan lore, after a great flood, the god Victoroa, no it's Viracocha—arose <laughs> from Lake Titicaca to create the world. You know, one fell hunched over, thrust. He commanded the sun Inti, moon Mama Kalia, or kill or Mama kill ya, <laughs> and stars to rise. Then went to oh, oh <laughs> man, Tiahuanaco. <laughs> To uh, create the first human beings. Um, hmm. Malku Kopec and Mama Oklo. I heard she, she choked to death on a ham sandwich. These first humans, the Inca, Adam, and Eve, were formed from stone and brought to life by uh, Viracocha, who commanded them to go out and populate the world. Thus Lake Titicaca is the birthplace of the Incas, Whose spirits return to their origin in the lake upon death. And there you you have it. Alright, so, (laughs) if that wasn't scientific and professional, I don't know what could be.
1: And you know what makes me happy? What? I mean, that story there's enough, Chad, but I've got the next one. Uh Uh-huh. And then I notice you're up for the, the story from Japan.
0: Oh! Oh,
1: I don't know if I can get over, uh... Ooh, that amazing story about whatever that okay. stuff was about Lake Titicaca. I
0: forgot what I talked about already. I don't
1: even know. we <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of names.
0: Yep. I think there was some chick like a Michael
1: <laughs> This is where this is the show we're going to determine like true fans and people that just nonchalantly listen.
0: Yeah, some people will probably click this. This off is
1: where, yeah, this is where we go
0: over to their murder <laughs> mystery. Two chicks talking about. uh People getting stabbed to death. That's right. Podcast. Go, you,
1: you go back and listen to your George Norrie. Uh huh.
0: <laughs> coast to coast. <laughs> <laughs> we laugh at you, George Peshaw. Norrie. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't laugh at. George no, Norrie, George no. Norrie's awesome. He is George like, Norrie will Send people to hell. He's your the house. he's
1: the nearest thing to God on yeah. earth. Well, is
0: I wouldn't you know say no, sh- that, but that. Hey. <laughs> hey, Chad.
1: Have you ever heard of the plane of Jars in Laos? Not since Grandma used to can peaches. Well, Chad, the Plain of Jars is one of the oldest archaeological mysteries in Southeast Asia. Hmm. Located on the plateau of Xingquang in the mountains of Indochina, there are about 90 different jar sites. Each site contains from 1 to 400 jars. It has been estimated that they were created 3,000 years ago and are made of sandstone, limestone, granite, Breccias, and conglomerate, with the majority being made of sandstone. The tallest jar is about nine feet tall, and all are made from their own individual slab of stone. At first glance, they appear to be haphazardly placed, with some standing upright and others on their sides, pointing in different directions. Further studies have revealed, however, that the jars are placed in positions that form the constellation patterns from the star- skies. Coincidence? I think not. There have been lots of speculation about the purpose of the jars. Drinking glasses for giants? Yeah. Being used to collect rainwater? No. As burial urns? Possibly. Most of the jars are empty, but a few have been found with bodies or tools inside. Or filled with miniature Buddha statues. Exploration is hard, as the area is littered with unexploded bombs... Oh, wow. From the Secret Wars, Chad. Oh, Spider Man got, so got the alien symbiote You know what's costume? funny?
0: This last part yes? that you uh, read that said that uh, most of the jars are empty, but few have been found with bodies or tools inside or filled with miniature Buddha statues. Uh-huh. I was at IGA not that long ago, and they had a recall that was up on the pegboard out in the front, and that was exactly the same reasons why you had to bring your cans that were supposed to be like uh, French cut green beans.
1: They might accidentally have had bodies or empty tools or miniature
0: of Buddha's in them. That so happens. I remember. I saw that. That
1: happens. And sometimes. I went
0: home and checked some cereal and production company numbers and fortunately we were safe. Ours were just green beans. Well, that's good. Well
1: So there you go, Plain of jars, Chad. Big old oh, big old stone things.
0: Yep. Magic.
1: That well, that is a far long ways away. I was gonna say maybe that was the uh party hangout for uh the Easter Island guys. Could be. That's where they, where they to, went
0: drink to drink and pee. That's right. Yep. Chars were good for two things, drinking and peeing.
1: The Mo Moana or... Moai. Moai, whatever. one on the front porch. You well, know, anyway, I Chris, mean, this this, this <clears> is the point of the show that I've been waiting for.
0: Well, you know, most people would consider one hell enough. Yes, Chad? But what if you could have nine hells?
1: Nine, you say?
0: Yep. How about the nine hells of Beppu, Japan? I can't. Freaking wait. Beppu. All right. Beppu is home to over 2,800 hot springs and is found of the, on the island of Kayushi. <laughs> the nine hells of Beppu are some of the more unique springs in the area. Hell one is umijigoko, meaning sea hell. The pool is a turquoise blue and is not enough to boil eggs, but you could sure try when you jump in there. Hell two is onoshibu, meaning <laughs> shaven head hell. It w- wait, kinda what? makes me think of you, and gets its name from the boiling gray mud. Ew. Ooh, I had a case of that once. The mud <laughs> bubbles to the surface and resembles the shaved head of Buddhist monks. Hell three is the shioku go go meaning white pond hell. It is filled with <laughs> boiling white water caused by the high calcium concentrations. So if you have some problems with your bones as you're getting to be an older woman, you should always go there and drink that. Um, that water. Go hell to, to hell three. Yeah, hell three. Hell, yeah. Go to hell three. For, what's the wait? What's uh, what, it's like? It's like Boniva.
1: What was the name of hell three, Chad? Uh, I forget. Uh, oh,
0: it's a Shaki Gijuku. Hell four is Yamajigoko, meaning mountain hell. Yamajigoko was made by a mud <laughs> volcano that spewed so much that it created a small mountain surrounded by small pools. Hell 5 is one of my favorites. It's Kamada jukoku. It's the cooking pot, Hell. Oh, no. <laughs> it's a collection of boiling hot springs that are flanked by a red devil statue featured as the cook. Wait a minute. I've seen that. I so don't you think you that, red de-
1: that red devil statue is not natural.
0: <laughs> it's that ham that you get.
1: Oh, hell oh, six. oh deviled ham?
0: Yeah, deviled mm. ham. Mm. Oh. Hell 6 is Oriyama Jukoku, meaning Devil Mountain Hell. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait, what? Mm-hmm. So there's there's mountain hell. Well, the devil has his own cooking show. And
1: then there's devil's mountain hell. And then there's
0: the devil's mountain hell. Ugh. Oniyama is a very strong stream that can pull one and a half train cars and is also home to about 100 hellish crocodiles. <laughs> oh, no. If you didn't know.
1: Hellish crocodiles.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, hell 7 is Yojikoko. It's the golden dragon hell. This spring is featured with a steaming dragon. Well, the steam is supplied by the steam of the spring and is directed out of the dragon's nostrils. The dragon gives the illusion of flying when water spouts out at sunrise. Hell 8 is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes? Chinoki Jigoko, meaning blood pond hell. Oh, no. Oh. Chinoki gets its name wow. from the bright reddish colored water caused by ferrous containing island... Or containing iron. By ferrous containing iron minerals in the pond, hell nine is tatsumaki, is cool. meaning spout hell. Tatsumaki is a geyser that spouts every 30 minutes and has a temperature of about 105 degrees. Celsius. I'm sorry, that's Celsius. So oh, there you go. Oh, my. <laughs> I mean, complete. <laughs> Chris. <laughs> wait, wait, what? You I just, just called, called you complete. Yeah.
1: Well, Chad, I, th- there's no way this can stand up to your riveting account of the nine hells of Beppo well or, oh wait Beppo. sorry uh, King Caesar <laughs> so but uh I've got Avbury to to finish the show up here
0: yeah where's that located at well
1: Chad it's located 90 miles west of London 20 miles south of Stonehenge Avebury is the largest known stoned ring in the world why is it stoned oh wait no D stone oh, ring oh Older than the more famous Stonehenge, the multiple rings of Avebury are cloaked with mysteries which archaeologists have only begun to unravel. Similar to Stonehenge and many other megalithic monuments in the British Isles, Avebury is a composite construction that was added to and altered during several periods. As the site currently exists, the Great Circle consists of a grass-covered chalk stone bank that is 1,396 feet in diameter and 20 feet high with a deep inner ditch, having four entrances at the Cardinal Compass Points.
0: The hell you, you say? <laughs>
1: did you get all that? Yeah. All right.
0: <laughs> Gonna build my own now, with some help from people at the Home Depot.
1: Just inside the ditch, which was clearly not used for defensive purposes, lies a grand circle of massive and irregular sarsen stones enclosing approximately 28 acres of land. This circle, originally composed of at least 98 stones, but now, having only 27, itself encloses two smaller stone circles. The two inner circles were probably constructed first, around 2600 BC, while the large outer ring and earthwork dates from 2500 BC. I see. Mm. The northern circle is 320 feet in diameter and originally had 27 stones, of which only four remain standing today. The southern circle is 340 feet across and once contained 29 stones, of which only five remain standing. How do they know that there were that many there? Were
0: there holes? Ballparked it. Oh. I mean. Well, I mean, here's some stone holes here, and there's no stone holes here. Because there's stones in them.
1: I think that's how they do it.
0: Yeah. It sounds scientific,
1: archaeology. The construction of the Aubury complex must have required enormous efforts on the part of local inhabitants. The sarsen stones, ranging in height from 9 to over 20 feet and weighing as much as 40 tons, were first hewn from bedrock and then dragged or sledded a distance of nearly two miles from their quarry site, Chad. Bonnie! (laughs) Mr. Slate. Uh Uh-huh. These stones were then erected and anchored in the ground to depths between 6 and 24 inches. The excavation of the encircling ditch required an estimated 200,000 tons of rock to be chipped and scraped away from the crudest of stone tools with the crudest of stone tools and antler picks. From excavation and soil resistivity studies, it is known that the three rings originally contained at least 154 stones, of which only 36 remain standing today. There's going to be a test after this to see if you can do the math on all these. Okay. Like how many were there and how many are still standing. Today, there are three reasons for the disappearance of the stones. In the 14th century, and perhaps earlier, the local Christian authorities, in their continuing effort to eradicate any vestiges of pagan religious practices, toppled, broke up, and buried many stones. Later, in the 17th and 18th centuries, still more of the remaining stones were removed from their foundations. Crops could then be planted in the areas, and the massive stones could be broken into smaller pieces and then used for construction of houses and other buildings. Only 1,500 meters south of the main Avebury Ring stands Silbury Hill. It's a very big uh, Peter Gabriel song, I think. I think so. The largest and perhaps the most enigmatic of all megalithic constructions in Europe. Crisscrossing the surrounding countryside are numerous meandering lines of standing stones and mysterious underground chambers, many positioned according to astrological alignments. Wow.
0: And I thought that Ley Lines episode was very... uh... Tiring.
1: There's a, there's a lot of information contained There's in a that. lot of numbers and there stuff. Were. you got to know how many there were, how many uh, are still standing, and who stole them.
0: Mick Jagger.
1: I think he has a few.
0: I think he does, too. Kidney and...
1: Look number. at my sauce and stones! Ooh. <laughs> so,
0: yes, Mr. sacred Catherine.
1: places. Wow. I'll sleep better tonight. Knowing that they're... Are there that many sacred places? Uh, Sure. Because, I mean, heck, we didn't even talk about Stonehenge or the pyramids or Shoney's.
0: Kentucky down under. True. Talk about that. Brantown Mountain. Branson. Branson. Everybody should talk about Branson.
1: I think it's a sacred site.
0: I think so. Dollywood.
1: I think it's actually where like five or six ley lines meet. Really? Yeah. Dollywood's not in Branson, sir.
0: No, I just said Dollywood. It's a you sacred use, site. What about Twitty City? Between two big mountains, right? Twitty City. Twitty Bird. Titty Caca. Titty Caca. Booby poo-poo.
1: <laughs> you enjoy that, don't you? I do. You know what else you might enjoy, Chad? What's that, Chris? ParanormalGuys.com. Uh, <laughs> I enjoy it. That's right. Go to ParanormalGuys.com for do everything it. paranormal. Do it guys. now. Well, finish listening to the show.
0: Oh, do it yeah. If you're don't,
1: not listening it, to it from Paranormal yeah. Guys.
0: Don't do it in your car, because we aren't into going to Paranormal Guys and driving. Neither's is t <laughs> Are they not? No, they put up billboards in Louisville now. It says, don't go to ParanormalGuys.com and drive. Is it worth it?
1: I haven't seen one of those yet. Oh,
0: I have. It's down near Sizzler. Continue, sir. ParanormalGuys.com. Talk about how amazing it is. Why don't you? I know it's amazing. Oh, anyway. You know what's on there? Pictures, episodes, (laughs) schedules. Schedules of what? Yeah, of upcoming events. But we shared them on there somewhere. (laughs) Um, Then uh, Chris (laughs) made a nice new banner for the page, too, which is great. Uh, There's a Bigfoot Loch Ness monster. There's the malted milk ball man.
1: Nice yeah. to know that you you keep up with the website, Chad. I
0: do. Go there every day.
1: Yes, go to PairOnormalGuys.com, and that's uh, where you
0: can find anything and everything related to the show. Contact us. Send them some stories. Listener stories. Yeah, listener stories. We like those whenever we get them. Never. Nobody ever sends us anything. No, they do, really. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, yeah, check in with us. Poor Chad. Follow us on Facebook. Facebook. Slash Paranormal Guys.
1: Facebook.com slash Paranormal Guys. And Chad puts a lot of interesting little stories and tidbits up there all the time from the internet and world of the weird. That's right. And while you are looking at the Paranormal Guys Facebook page, head on over to William Blanchard's Facebook page. He's the gentleman that supplies all the music for Paranormal Guys, and he can be found at Facebook.com slash William Blanchard Soundtrack.
0: He's a musical genius. He is. He Chris didn't use a recording that either. I said that live. <laughs> musical. Hold on, I'll say it a little different. Musical genius. See?
1: So now I've got a recording to use in a future an extra show if you clip, say, yep. That was me saying it live. Yep. One more nail in your coffin, sir.
0: Oh well, there's plenty in there.
1: And don't forget that YouTube channel's updated.
0: That's right, it is. For soon to add the uh Show that I was absent from. It's like the Phantasm Two, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, the guy that played uh, in that that wasn't in it for the second one, but all the rest of them. Yeah, it's a lot like that.
1: And you say something about me talking about Modoc? Shut up. (laughs) Anyway, Uh thanks for listening to another exciting episode of Paranormal Guys. Yes,
0: thank you. If you've made it this far, thank you. That's
1: right. If you made it this far, Chad will personally send you a check for 25
0: cents in the mail. No, I will not do that. But if you will supply us with your name and address, we will give you some sort of unique item. Most likely a decal (laughs) or something. Old parking tickets. I don't know. We'll send you something in the mail. You don't have to pay for shipping. Expired coupons. No, I won't do it. It'll probably be something more related to the show. Uh, At this point... (laughs) Yeah, you, yeah. De- you deserve it. Yeah, that's right. You made it this far, we'll send you something. I have a <laughs> pair of normal Rabbits eat their own poop.